So this evening we're dealing with supernatural healing. Um, I think before we kick off, it's, it's a good idea to remember that we are triune eternal beings. We are um, mind, body, and spirit. And any discussion on healing must of necessity involve the consideration of all three of those elements. There's a temptation, I think, to think only in terms of spiritual, on the one hand, and, and supernatural, or, or sorry, and physical on the other, um, in, a, in a kind of dualistic way. But it's clear from the scriptures, from a, from a Hebrew worldview perspective, that it's actually difficult to separate those things out. They're all interrelated. I love that. And, and that's certainly especially true in the context of healing. So that's a thread that's going to run through our discussions, I hope. Um, the supernatural healing of the body may include spiritual, emotional, and cognitive or thinking dimensions. Indeed, medical science recognizes that there's a strong psychosomatic or psychological component to many ailments, if not, if not even most ailments. Um, similarly, many but not all healings that we see in the gospel where we see Jesus operating in supernatural healings involve the demonic. And, and certainly I'm not suggesting that, that most diseases have some kind of demonic origin. I don't think that's true. Um, but, but demonic oppression can manifest itself in, in illness and in physical uh, ailments of many descriptions. Um, the Bible is, is there are many examples of that. Um, I think that can be taken too far. I remember uh, watching somebody praying for somebody with a broken arm and he cast out the demon of the broken arm. And I thought, that's just silly. Um, so, so you can take it too far. But we're, we're going to cover, I hope, in our discussions, the physical and the spiritual and the emotional uh, components of healing. So in this discussion, we're going to examine all the theological, um, we're going to have an examination of the theological basis for healing, um, as we see it in the New Testament. We'll look at some practical considerations, secondly, regarding how to heal people. And thirdly, we'll consider some frequently asked questions about healing. So please feel free to supplement the questions we've already got. Just mm. jump in yeah. and let's see what happens. Um, I'm both excited and nervous about that. Right, first of all, Theological Foundation for Healing. Jesus instructed his disciples to go out and heal people. I'm going to look at Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 6. I'll read the whole text, and then I'm going to pick up a little bit later in um, chapter 9, verses 10 to 11. It says this, I'm reading from the ESV. And he called the twelve together, that's a reference to the disciples, later the apostles, and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money. Don't have two tunics, and whatever house you enter, stay there and from there depart. Um, and wherever they do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. 
So, so two ideas I'd like to draw out. The first is that God, Jesus gave his disciples power and authority over demons and, and gave them and to cure diseases, to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal, and that they went preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. As Kathy discussed um, last week, I think really well, um, the, the, the idea of God giving us power, that's dynamis, and exousia, that's authority, to heal. Dynamis is a force, especially a, a miraculous power, um, to work miracles or, in this instance, healing. Um, it can carry with it the idea of violence, which is quite interesting. It's forceful. Okay. Um, think about dynamite. Dynamite has as its origin the, the Greek word dynamis. It's, it's an explosive power. And secondly, authority. Authority um, is a force or capacity or, or carrying the right to do something. Um, it, it includes influence, um, jurisdiction, liberty, power, and strength. It also carries with it the idea of privilege. So, so if, we, if we're operating in the authority that God gives us, we operate in the privilege that he's bestowed on us to accomplish things in his name and on his behalf. Um, the third idea I'd like to pick up on under the Theological Foundation for Healing is the idea of the kingdom of God. You'll have noticed, perhaps, from Luke chapter 9, verse 2, it says, He, Jesus, sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And later that's repeated, slightly differently in verse 6, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. So the proclamation of the gospel and the proclamation of the kingdom of God are the same thing. Um, the gospel is the good news that God has won the victory through Christ, that, that all powers and authority is under his dominion, all evil power has been broken and destroyed, and that the legal right of God over all of the nations extends to the four corners of the earth. So, so when we stand in the authority that God has given us, it's the authority of the resurrected Christ to proclaim and extend his kingdom on earth by speaking into reality that which is already the reality in heaven. So um, healing is a demonstration of that kingdom of God and that it's at hand. Um, Alexander Fenter and others um, speak of the kingdom of God in, in these terms, that it is present but not yet in its fullness. It's, it's the already but not yet. So sometimes we see the kingdom of God break out in incredible power, but, but there are other elements or other evidences that the kingdom of God is not yet here in its fullness. Because as the Bible says, the, the whole world, the earth is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God, groaning for the consummation of the age where Jesus reconciles all things, all of the cosmos, to himself. So we live in, in kingdom terms in the already not yet. The kingdom is manifest and evident and present now, but not yet in its fullness. So when, when healing breaks out, supernatural healing, it's a breaking into the normal state of humanity, something of the kingdom 
of God, the heavenly realm, because in the heavenly realm, there is no sickness and there's no death. Um, we're going to look at, at where that, that line lies a little bit later, but just to introduce the idea. In Luke chapter 9, verse 10 to 11, it reads, On their return, the apostles, that's the disciples, told him, Jesus, all they had done. And he took them and withdrew to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him and welcomed, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who have need of healing. So there seems to be a correlation between the proclamation of the kingdom of God and the confirmation of the reality of that kingdom being made manifest through healing. It's, um, as Kathy discussed last week, a sign is an indication that the kingdom of God is present. Um, And one of those signs is healing because where the kingdom of God is present and made manifest, the things that are not part of the kingdom of God flee, and that includes healing and uh, that includes sickness rather than death. Um, Well, the question could be asked because the text that I read in Luke is of the disciples, the apostles being sent out. Um, Does that mean that healing... As, as some would say, as cessationists would say, was only for the apostles. So we as present-day believers, we don't get access to that because that was uh, present in a special way um, to establish the early church, and it's not necessary for us because of some reason that I can't fathom. And um, Jesus himself deals with this in Mark chapter 16, verses 15 to 20. This is the Great Commission. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples and to to the rest of the church, I would suggest. Um, and, And I'll show you why that is. It reads from verse 15. Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And that's not something that the disciples could accomplish in the years that they had at their disposal. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. The supernatural healing. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, which is an image um, in the Middle East of reigning. And they went out and preached everywhere while the, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message by accompanying signs. So the message of the gospel of the kingdom, the message of God's salvation being extended to all humanity, was confirmed by accompanying signs, including miraculous healing. Another idea I'd like to consider in the light of supernatural healing is the idea of shalom, God's peace. So um, I'm reading here from an NRV commentary I found online, and it captured it so well I didn't think that I could improve on it, so I'll just read the words as they appear. Shalom is one of the key words and images for salvation in the Bible. The Hebrew word refers most commonly to a person being uninjured and safe, whole and sound. And that's because part of the idea of wholeness in the Hebrew Bible is sorry, part of the idea of holiness in the Hebrew Bible is wholeness, which includes physical wholeness. Um, 
In the New Testament, shalom is revealed as the reconciliation of all things to God through the work of Christ. God was pleased through Christ to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through Christ's blood shed on the cross. That's Colossians 1, verses 19 to 20. Shalom experienced is multidimensional, complete well-being, physical, psychological, social, and spiritual. It flows from all of one's relationships being put right with God, with oneself, and with others. So shalom is all-encompassing, multidimensional, and it speaks of a right standing with God, wholeness in that sense, right standing within yourself, within your own integrity, within within being at peace with yourself and being at peace with others. Uh, another idea closely related is, is the idea of, of salvation, or, or sozo is the original word, to be saved. Um, it means to be safe, to be whole, or to be made whole. It refers to the preservation of one's health. So, so to be saved means not only to experience salvation, in other words, um, as we commonly think of salvation, to be saved from hell, but also to experience wholeness, physical, social, spiritual, psychological, now. Because um, the, the Zoe life of God, the, the Zoe Aenos, the, the, the life of the age to come, includes wholeness, salvation, um, physical integrity, spiritual integrity, social integrity, psychological integrity. Um, the next point I wanted to deal with was, was why Jesus healed. This is an idea I'm going to come back to later when we look at some practical considerations for ourselves in the context of healing. Um, Matthew 14 verse 14 reads this, uh, reads thus, when he, that's Jesus, went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Yeah. So Jesus is motivated by compassion. Compassion literally means to feel with someone. Think of, of um, community, um, camaraderie, compassion. To experience something with someone. To feel their pain. So, so Jesus identified himself with the suffering of the people he had compassion with them and he he expressed that compassion by healing them um, the the Greek word which which I'm going to try to do justice to it's very difficult is splagchinizomai, uh, I hope uh, it means to yearn from your bowels wow it's 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 literally visceral it's, it's to have an inward identification so profound that it moves your bowels. That's how profoundly you identify with the pain of others. Sure. Um, and to have pity or compassion. So, so Jesus groaned inwardly. He, he felt such compassion for the people in front of him, and he healed them. Um, the next point deals with the supernatural gift of, of healing. I'm going to read quite a big chunk of scripture, and then we're going to consider one or two elements arising from it. I'm going to read from uh, the ESV, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 11. 
and then 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to um, 13, verse 13. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. <coughs> and then picking up from uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all possess gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a more excellent way. Um, in the text he then goes on, I won't read it, to say that all of these gifts pass away, but love endures. And and he, he underscores that our desire should not be simply to operate in the power of gifts, although we should desire the higher gifts, and healing is list, listed as one of them, but we should desire love. And, and part of the reason in the context of healing is because love is the springboard for the gift of healing. Um, I think s frequently as Christians we confuse fruit and gifts. The fruits of the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we may see somebody operating powerfully in, in a gift of healing or powerfully in, a, in, in some supernatural gift and say, wow, what incredible fruit. No, that's not fruit, that's gift. In fact, I've seen people who, who can operate, powerf operate powerfully in gifts and actually have no fruit because the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. And you can even be in, in profound sin and operate in the gifts of God. Um, think of, of Saul prophesying naked. He was operating in a, in a gift, but he had no fruit. And Jesus himself said that, that many will come to him in, in the day of judgment and say, Lord, Lord, did we do not do amazing signs in your name, heal the sick, raise the dead. And, and he will say to them, depart from me, um, you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Because iniquity or sin um, may not stop the operation of the gift, but it, it certainly stops us from knowing God in, in fullness. Not that we can earn salvation, we can't. Um, it's, a, it's a supernatural gift, it's grace. But, but the point is that, that there's a distinction between uh, the gift and the fruit. So my, my view on that is that the gift doesn't affect your heart at all. In fact, it can cause us to be arrogant and, and fall away from God. Um, but a, a consumed heart, a transformed heart, can profoundly affect the way that the gift operates. So um, Paul in, in Corinthians says, pursue love, because that transforms your heart. The other gifts are great, but pursue love. 
Um, right, some practical considerations. Um, this is really a, primarily a, a guideline for physical healing. Praying for spiritual or emotional healing would be slightly different. Uh, for a detailed discussion on these subjects, I'd, I'd encourage you to have a look at Alexander Fenter's excellent book, Doing Healing, especially chapters 13 to 20. <coughs> he deals with, um, with spiritual healing, um, he deals with, with emotional healing, he deals with social healing, or healing of relationships, deals with physical healing. I'm going to focus on physical healing just because we don't have a lot of time. Um, but, but certainly I, I must, for the sake of completeness, mention that, that it's going to be slightly different for the other forms of healing. Um, the first point is, if, if you imagine that you're going to now pray for somebody who needs healing, either in a church context or, and, and I think this is, this is better than the church context, out there in the marketplace, um, th there are a couple of pointers. First of all, make sure that you know the person's name. If you don't know them, ask them what their name is. Um, I remember hearing a sermon many years ago about our friend Noel Sanderson, whose uh, wife, Maura, was a radiographer. And she would speak of the patients that she, she'd seen that day, as, um, or, or she would discuss her discussions with fellow radi radiographers uh, about the patients that they'd seen in a day. And they'd say, oh, I had a, a, a broken leg, or I had a, a fractured femur, or I had a, a cracked skull. And, and what they were doing is they were describing people in terms of their injury. No, no, God has compassion on the person. They have an injury. God is, is, has compassion on the person. Mm. They have an illness. So get to know the name. Yeah. Ask the name. Um, again, Jesus had compassion on people, so he healed them. And I think that a safe place for us to start is to engage with the person as a person, having a nail, name, having suffering, having an ailment or an injury or something that is causing them distress, so that we can have compassion and operate out of love. Um, and then ask the person, what is it that they'd like prayer for? What is it that is causing them distress? Um, and ask them to be as, as specific as possible. And, and where possible, if they have any current symptoms, ask them to describe that. Because that becomes quite important when you're praying for them to determine whether um, the, the healing has, has taken place or whether it started. Uh, not that you necessarily immediately have that, but, but it's good to have a starting point. Um, Alexander Fenton makes the point, and I think he's right, that, that really, if, if healing follows the proclamation of the gospel, then the best place to see healings take place is not in the four walls of the church building, but out there. Um, I'll, I'll relate one example. I've, I've had um, several experiences of, of praying for people who've been healed. Um, the one that's, that sticks in my mind is, is a friend of mine is a, is a, a service manager at a, at a car um, dealership where they do services. I dropped my car off to get serviced. And I asked him how he's doing, and he said, "Hey, you know what, Roman? I'm not really, I'm not doing well. I've, I've, 
I've been diagnosed with a bunch of tumors that are on my inner thighs and, um, and they're cancerous and I'm going to be going in next week to have them surgically removed. And, and I, I, I clearly felt God impress on me, pray for it. And, and I've experienced, and I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience, I'm not making a, th- a theology out of this, but I often pray for people for healing, but when I hear God prompt me to pray for somebody specifically, I pray with so much more confidence, and usually I see the healing. That's not the case all the time. Sometimes the healing doesn't manifest immediately. But if, if I hear God say, pray for somebody, I know something's going to happen, generally. So anyway, I, I really felt, pray for it. So I said to him, and bear in mind this is 7.30 in the morning, lots of people dropping off their cars, lots of people milling around. Um, I said to him, but can I, can I pray for you? And I think he thought, I mean, he, I mean, like go home at night and kneel next to my bed and put my hands together and, and pray for him, you know. So he said, no, you can pray for me. Um, so right there, I, I put my hand on his inner thigh, which is not a great idea, generally. But I just, in God, I thought that was the right thing at the moment. And I prayed loudly for him to be healed. And the poor guy almost went purple. I thought he was going to die of embarrassment. I think he expected the ground to like part in front of him and to just fall in to be saved from this terrible embarrassment. Anyway, so I prayed for him and I said, do you feel any difference? He said, no, 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 I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's cool, you can come pick up your car later. And he just wanted me out of there, which I appreciate, I can understand. Anyway, a couple of days later, I'd forgotten about it. A couple of days later, I got a WhatsApp from him. And he said, hey, Raymond, how are you doing? I said, no, I'm fine. And What's happening? And he spoke about all kinds of irrelevances. And then he said, hey, you know those tumors? I said, yeah, I remember those tumors. He said, well, they're gone. And I could see he was freaked out, like what had happened so cool. here. And, and I, I don't know whether he's a believer, um, certainly not somebody I know from church circles. But, but the, the clear message I got from God on that was, if, if God prompts you to pray for somebody, pray for them. And, and also, I, I can say with my hand on my heart, if you expect to see healing, you see healing more often. If you pray not expecting to see healing, you see healing less often. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I think uh, uh, I think that's just that's part of the course. Remember the woman with the issue of blood. Uh, I'm going to just relate the story very briefly. So in in the Gospels, there's the story of a woman who'd suffered for many years with the issue of blood. And she'd spent all of her resources, her, her financial resources and doctors, and they hadn't been able to heal her. And she made her way through the crowd to get to Jesus. And she took hold of, in our English translations it says, took hold of the, t- the, the fringe of his garment. In, in Hebrew it's, it's much clearer. It says, she took hold of his tzitzit, which is the fringes of his prayer shawl. And, and each tzitzot, each uh, fringe, represents one of the commandments of God. So she took hold of the thing that is the expression of the character of God. And God's healing virtue arrived and healed her. And he stops and he says, I perceive that virtue has flown from me, or or other translations say, I can feel that power has has, um, flowed from me. Who touched me? And his disciples look at him like, Jesus, you're crazy. 
you, you're being encompassed about by all these people. There's a whole crowd of people pressing in on you. What do you mean he touched me? And, and this woman comes forward and she says, it was me. And he says, sister, your faith has made you well. She expected something to happen. Go in peace. Go in shalom. Go in the completeness that the kingdom of God breaking out has brought for you. Go in the sozo, the, the salvation of God. Um, the word he, he used was Irene, which means peace. But, but you get the idea. And, and what was profound for me about that whole scene is that as a woman with an issue of blood, she would be ceremonially unclean. She would be unable to participate in, in religious services in the temple. She would be unable to touch people because anybody she touched became unclean. Jesus touched her and she became completely clean, holy and whole. And uh, I mean, I've, I've preached on this. This is an idea from Philip Yancey that um, the primary distinguishing feature between Jesus and the Pharisees was that the Pharisees didn't want to go into the marketplace and touch people or things because they would become unclean. Jesus went into the marketplace and touched people and made them clean. And I think as, as ambassadors for Jesus, as, as carriers of Christ and of his kingdom, our mission is to go into the marketplace, to go into the world and touch people and make yes. them whole and clean. And that's what, that's what the gift of healing is. Um, some people have the gift of healing, but we all have the calling to pray for people who are sick. Um, I'm, I'm going to look at, look at that in a little bit more detail in a moment. So... <clears throat> I've already said, ask a person what their name is, ask them to describe what it is that is bothering them with as much detail as possible. And if possible, ask them if they're experiencing any symptoms at that moment. Mm. Point number two, thank God for his presence, his love and compassion and the power of the Holy Spirit to heal. So um, it, it's really important, I believe, when we're praying for somebody to focus their attention and our own attention on God his presence and his power. It's We are told to heal people. So we're not just praying for healing. We're healing them. But it's because God empowers us to do that. Um, thirdly, lay hands on the person. Now, now you've got to use your mind with this. Be appropriate. It's not appropriate to, to uh, for, for a man to touch a woman on, on bare skin on the shoulders or, or even necessarily on the arms perhaps, be appropriate, especially cross-culturally. Yeah. It's really important. You don't want the person you're praying for to be distracted by, by something that is, that is drawing attention away from God and healing. Be appropriate. So, so it's generally safe to put your hand on somebody's head or to put your hand on on um, on clothing, um, I've seen guys put their hands on a, on a woman's chest. I'm like, no, Brew, what are you doing? Don't do that. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, if especially if you're praying for somebody of of, of uh, the opposite gender, just be sensitive. Um, so lay hands on them. If if the ailment is of a sensitive nature. Um, 
or, or they haven't been very clear about what it is, ask them to put their own hand on the area that requires healing, and you can put your hand on their head or on their on their arm, as the case may be. Um, fourth point, and this is this is something that was a revelation for me over time, is address the area that needs healing. Don't just pray that God heals that area. Address it. If somebody has a tumor on the arm, say, I say to that tumor, be gone in the name of Jesus. If somebody has a broken knee, I command restoration of that knee in every area, ligament, bone, blood, sinew, come into order in the name of Jesus. Command it. Because we're told to go and heal people. Sometimes I think we take the easy way out and we say, God, won't you heal this person? Which is cool. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not, it's not what we were told to do. We were told to heal people. To command the healing. And, um, and you don't have to shout. God knows. Um, you, you don't have to jump up and down and perform and scream and carry on like a mad person. God understands what we need. But just speak with authority because we carry exousia. We, we carry the authority of God to speak on his behalf. Alexander Fenter gives an example in his book of, of um, a scene that he witnessed where a big cement truck was, was flying down a hill at great speed. And uh, a policeman stood out in the, in the middle of the road and put his hand up and said, stop. And, and he thought the guy's dead. He's absolutely going to get smashed by this truck. And, and lo and behold, the, the truck screeched to a halt and stopped. And the, the traffic officer went then to go and speak to the, to the, to the driver. But Fenton makes the point. If the guy had stood in his underpants and commanded the, the truck to stop, perhaps the driver would not have stopped. Yeah. Maybe he'd have turned around. But um, the, the point is that that the driver respected the authority of the uniform. And, and so it is with everything that is out of order in the presence of God. It respects authority. Demons respect Jesus' authority. Um, a sickness must bow to the authority of Jesus. So um, command the area to be healed, whatever that is. Um, then... Number five, watch what God is doing and ask questions about what the person might be experiencing. Um, and then partner with that. There's a temptation, I've experienced this, to say to the person you're praying for, do you experience tingling or do you experience warmth or do you experience this? You're giving them ideas to say yes or no. And that's actually not fair because you're you're imposing an idea and and especially in that vulnerable situation, the mind is a funny thing. Um, yeah. they may say that they're experiencing something they're actually not. It's much better to ask an open question. What are you experiencing? Describe any sensations you may be experiencing. And if you're not experiencing any sensations, say so. Maybe you won't. Um, I, I think one of the reasons that, that um, supernatural healing has a bad name is that you get people who, who try to whip people up, to, to, to put it bluntly, um, in an emotional state to be able to declare that a healing has taken place. And, and that's, not, that's not helpful. It's just not helpful. 
Um, you don't know, it's not a performance. God arrives or he doesn't. And sometimes the healing doesn't take place. And that's okay. Why? Because we see in part, we prophesy in part, we understand in part, and we heal in part. Um, sometimes we don't understand why it doesn't happen in its fullness. But sometimes, <clears throat> I've had this experience where um, the healing starts and then you keep praying into it and the healing progressively increases while you're with the person. Sometimes it increases hours or days later. Um, I remember praying for one lady who, who, who'd come into my office and she was, so, she was so in such terrible pain that she couldn't sit down. And I prayed for her. And I said, well, do you feel anything any better? She said, yeah, I feel, feel a bit better. I can sit down now. So she sat down. And, and then I said, are, are you still in pain? Yes, I'm still in pain. So I prayed some more and prayed some more. And by the time she left my office, uh, she was not in any pain at all. So it was progressive. Um, partner with what God is doing. Yeah, very good. Um, then, and, and here... Really, really praying for healing is is doing something in partnership with God. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes God will highlight blockages to healing. It might be sin. Um, it might be demonization, or in other words, demonic oppression. It might be afflictions that are, recur throughout um, family or generations. I'm, I'm deliberately not saying generational curses because I, I don't know that that's helpful, but but there are things that manifest generation after generation. And maybe that's a blockage that needs to be addressed in prayer. Um, so listen to God, hear God, and speak what you, what you hear. And sometimes that picture is incomplete, and that's okay. But go with what you've got. And then finally, feedback and aftercare. So ask a person, what have you experienced? If, if they had a sore ankle... And they say, well, jeepers, the, the pain's a lot better. I said, well, I'd say, well, walk on it. Tell me what you experience. Yeah. And, it, and if, if somebody has experienced a healing, they must tell people about it. Um, because it builds faith. Um, so so that's, those are some practical considerations. It's not exhaustive. There are other things to consider. But, but those are perhaps some of the thoughts that I have. Now, uh, Number three, frequently asked questions. I've got three. Hopefully by the time I get through these three, we'll have some more questions. Cool, some more questions have come through. Why does God heal sometimes and not others? I don't know. Um, I, I think part of it is wrapped up in the mystery of the kingdom of God being manifest in part, but not in its fullness now. We live in a, in a fallen, broken world. There are, are any number of reasons why healing may not manifest. And, and sometimes it can be unhelpful to suggest that it's one particular thing that's stopping the healing. I've seen people get into all kinds of bondage and, and trauma because somebody has said to them, oh, well, you're not getting your healing because you don't have enough faith. Well, that might be true, but it may not be true at all. Um, Paul's um, thorn in the flesh, many... Many theologians suggest was a healing, was was rather an illness that that he didn't get healing for. Mm-hmm. Um, Timothy, you'll recall, Paul told him, uh, "Have a little wine because you, your stomach's often upset." 
Well, Timothy didn't get his healing. Um, I, I don't think that that medicine is the opposite of God's healing. Medicine op- operates in concert with and in tandem with and in parallel to God's healing often. If, if you pray for somebody and, and you believe that they've been healed, um, they shouldn't stop medication for that thing until the doctor says they can. Especially if it's something serious. Yeah. Um, and people may say, oh, no, but you're not showing faith. No, 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 you're, being, you're absolutely showing faith and you're being sensible because we see in part and we understand in part. Don't be the cause of somebody dying before your time. Um, how do I get past the disappointment of asking God for healing when nothing changes? That's a question I get asked often. It's a question that, that I've wrestled through myself. Um, I've been asthmatic since I was little, six and and I still struggle with asthma. Why? Why is that? And and how did I get past the disappointment of of struggling to pray for that now? Um, why is it some people never get healed of their cancer? Why? Whilst I don't have a definitive answer to that, I'll tell you what the answer is not. The answer is not that God doesn't care. The answer is not that God isn't good. The answer is not that God isn't kind. God is good all the time. He's kind all the time. And he cares all the time. Um, Sometimes we simply don't have the answer because this side of eternity, we don't see the whole picture. Question three. What do I do if I'm praying for somebody and they start shaking or fall over? Now, now that's tricky because, because sometimes people shake because the power of God is upon them. And it's a bit like sticking your finger in an in a, in a electrical outlet. And the power that spoke forth the universe is coursing through their bodies and they're going to shake, rattle, and roll. That happens. Um, so, so you want to partner with that. But, but sometimes people start shaking or, or twitching or behaving in, in an erratic fashion because they're under an influence, not possessed by, under the influence of a demon. Um, and, and that requires some spiritual discernment. Um, I've, I've seen people uh, praying, praying for somebody and they started manifesting and, and the guy started praying, more God, more God. And I'm like, actually, no, drive the thing out. That's a demon. Um, and you feel it. And, and that's something we learn and we grow in. And, and, and it's also a reason why it's really great to do healing in team, um, especially with people who are further down the line. Um, people have recognized healing ministry because we can learn. And, and w- there's a greater chance of getting it right in team than if we fly solo. Yeah, that's really good. Cool. Have you got any questions for us? Yes, I do. Um, so Megan's question is, according to scripture, how is my faith in seeing someone getting healed linked? So in terms of healing, what is God's responsibility? What is mine? That's really great. Your responsibility is to pray with faith that God is good. Um, sometimes God answers the prayer with a resounding yes and the person's healed. And sometimes we don't get to see the healing made manifest immediately or sometimes at all. But yeah. God is good. Our responsibility is to pray and to trust God in how he advances his kingdom. I will repeat though, people who expect to see healings see them more often than those who don't. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
Awesome. So Mark uh, has asked, uh, one well-known theologian suggested that there are no cases of healing within the church in Acts, rather that healings were a sign or miracle for evangelism and to glorify God in front of unbelievers. Examples are Paul, Aphrodites, uh, Timothy, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, um, well, I disagree with that. Um, and I disagree with it because I've seen miraculous healings. I mean, I've, I've prayed for people and they've been miraculously healed. I've seen, I've seen other people pray for people and they've been miraculously healed. I remember as a young believer, um, really not knowing what I was doing, for real, not knowing what I was doing, praying for a guy who'd had a shattered knee in a car accident and, and his knee completely came right in front of my eyes and he, he got all bug-eyed. I was at his house at the time and he ran downstairs and told his whole family and, and was running around, something he couldn't do before that. And I had no theological framework for it other than I knew that God healed people. And, and on that subject, God, God often empowers, <laughs> empowers new believers to supernaturally heal, heal people um, almost effortlessly. And, and as, as we're longer in the faith, it seems to almost get more difficult. And I'm not sure whether that's our, our doubt creeping in or whether God is, is, gives us um, just supernatural, a greater degree of supernatural assistance at the beginning. I don't know what the answer is. But, but I can tell you that God absolutely heals today. Absolutely. absolutely. Mm. I, I've seen it several times. Whether it's praying for somebody who has a headache and the headache miraculously disappears, which, which I see fairly often, to cancer, um, to raising people from the dead, which I haven't seen yet, but I know people who've seen that, um, God heals. Okay, this question is from Neo. Do you find it hard to pray for your family and yourself? Yes. Very hard. <laughs> Strangely, I can pray for headaches in my family, and it, it, it often works. But praying for myself and for my family is very hard. Mm-hmm. Um, not yeah. sure why that is. It is hard. I think part of it is that we are so close and um, there's all these emotions and we're experiencing it. So it's sometimes harder when you you can have faith for other people, sometimes harder to have faith for yourself um, and for your family. And also if you know how long it's been an issue. Um, but I just I just wanted to jump on that quickly and I, that... There has been a question which you've already answered, Ray, and has been asked again, is why are some are healed and some not? Just just a short, quick little testimony of my own life is that um, there are times when God has healed me completely, and then there's um, times when I've not been healed. And um, so I had a really quite severe stomach issue at one point. And um, I went, uh, we were in a different church at the time, and I went and asked for the elders to pray for me, and they did. And I was completely healed of that. Mm. Never, ever had that thing again. And uh, it was quite debilitating at the time. Um, I also twisted, uh, actually sprained my ankle, tore the ligaments, and I was about to go on a trip overseas, and I could barely walk on on my foot and had some people pray for me, and the ligaments were completely healed. Mm. I still had a little bit of pain from the sprain itself, but I was able to walk, I was able to go on that trip. And yet, uh, battle with migraines, I've had them for a very long time, and I still struggle with them, mm. and trusting God for breakthrough in that area. So 
it, it happens like that sometimes. Uh, but uh, I love what Ray's saying that God heals and he wants to heal and he is healing all the time. And we've, we've seen so many times mm. God come through in healing and these incredible things um, happen and things that are not able to be explained. Yeah. And um, so, so we know God heals and the, there is that mystery. Um, yeah. One of the questions that I wanted to ask or be posed for this forum was um, going to the elders to pray. There's that yeah. scripture, if you're sick, uh, go to the elders and have them pray for you. How does yeah, that factor in uh, when and you were talking about authority earlier, but how does yeah. that factor in? Yeah, well, one of the qualifications of, of being an elder is being able to teach. Um, so that would presuppose a, a solid theological understanding of the the underpinnings for healing. Um, also, I think it's part of the uh, responsibility of elders as oversight as shepherds to look after the flock, and that, that includes looking after their physical well-being um, through prayer. So I, I think that, that elders do carry an authority supernaturally to heal, um, manifest in different degrees and in different ways at different times. Um, and, and also, I think it's, it's good as part of our leadership um, construct to, to say, hey, I've, I've got some challenges in my life. It includes healing. Um, and go, go to elders. And because elders, because of the nature of the beast, we see people in need all the time. We pray all the time. It gives us the opportunity to have insight supernaturally and also just through practical experience of stuff that could be hindering or perhaps a challenge. And that needs prayer. Because part of the role of, of shepherds, uh, oversight, is to know what the state of the flock is. That's really good. And, and I, I think to know that somebody is struggling with, with an ailment is, is really a very helpful thing. And mm. um, I think it also just speaks into um, the issue Raymond was talking about earlier, which is that of compassion and that, yeah. that we, we need to be looking out for one another, caring for one another. And Absolutely. Jesus, when he healed people, it was his compassion that moved him, as Ray so beautifully pointed out. And and that was so that people could go back to worship, that they could go back into the community so that they could be restored to full wholeness. Yeah. It wasn't just about their body, but it was also about their ability to be part of the greater whole. And they could also then go back into those communities and they could preach the gospel, and they could tell people about Jesus. So it was, it was really significant. Um, right. Any other comments or questions that you have? Uh, yeah. So maybe two. The first is, my observation is, um, healing increases when you cross a border. Because part of the Great Commission is to go into all the, all the world and, and preach the gospel and heal the sick. Um, I think there's something in the act of, of going out of our comfort zones, out of our, our safe spaces, carrying the kingdom and creating the space for God to, to make manifest his kingdom advance by supernaturally healing people. There's something in that. Um, 
And and similarly, there's something in having dedicated space and time to meditate on God and and go for healing. Um, I think I think that there's something in that, but but I also think. Um, I think healing born of profound compassion for people yeah. is really something that, that God is restoring to the church. Yeah. Good. Um, Jesus said, blessed are those who, who mourn, they'll be comforted. And part, part of the comforting is, is, is fellow believers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's having the space in community, and it's difficult in COVID, but having the space in community to, to share one another's pain and burdens and to find healing from God mm. in community, not, not as, as Lone Rangers. Yeah. So this question is from Fred, and he's, he's asked, how would you recommend not leaving someone disappointed and hurt after you step out in faith and pray for healing? especially if you speak authority to a body for healing. I've heard so many stories from people who really hurt by failed healing prayers. Okay. That's such a great question. So, so I think, like, like all things, um, managing expectations is quite important. Yeah. And, and part of that is to, to, to make it clear that the reason you're praying for somebody is not to get another scalp for Jesus. It's because you genuinely care for them. Mm. I've spoken to people who don't know God at all and offered to pray for them. And they're so touched, so profoundly moved that, that a stranger would care enough to pray for them. And there's just, just in the act of prayer, there, there's, a, yeah. there's a healing That's or there's, there's a manifestation of God's love and kindness. That's really good. Secondly, once you've prayed for them, it's important to take them through why theologically the, the healing may not have manifested immediately or may not even manifest. Um, so I think, and you, you may, people may say, oh yeah, but you're, you're speaking doubt. No, I'm not. I'm saying we see in part, we hear in part, we understand in part, but we pray with our whole hearts and we expect God to pitch up and heal. And sometimes he doesn't. And, and we must resist the urge, I think, to try to explain why that is. Especially um, resist the urge to put the blame on the person you're praying for. Absolutely. So I think dealing with the disappointment is a journey. It's a process. It's, it's, a, it's a reassurance that God is kind and good. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean that he, hasn't, he isn't doing something. Mm. I've often thought of, of Jesus... Um, bringing Lazarus to, to life from the dead. And, and that the healing wasn't complete. He still saw, saw men like trees walking. But, but Jesus commanded those around Lazarus to unbind him, to remove the bandages that he was wrapped in for, for his burial. And I've thought to myself, you know, those bandages would have smelled like a dead person who'd been dead in the Middle East in the heat for four days. And they still wrapped him until they were completely unbound. And I think sometimes healing is like that. Healing is a process of, of, of removing the painful reminders of our spiritual reality 
in, in the process of, of resurrection and restitution and being made whole. And, and it does restrict our movement and it does take time to get the fullness of the healing. And sometimes the fullness of the healing is not on the side of eternity. Really good. So, um, the question that I wanted to ask as well was, what about mental health? Yeah. So, um, I um, have personally experienced that that challenges with with mental or emotional health manifest physically. Um, stress is a killer. It's one of the biggest killers in the world especially in South Africa. And that's because we are experiencing something emotionally, psychologically, that is dumping all kinds of hormones and, and other things into our system, physical system. And that is manifest in, in ailments. Mm. And, um, and as much as it, it's a good thing to pray for the physical healing, it's also a good thing to pray for the source of emotional distress. Yeah, that's good. And for healing of the mind and the heart. If you read Psalms, David cries out to God about the, the turmoil and the angst and the emotional trauma he's experiencing, and he, he looks to God for healing. That's really good. Um, and, and God heals him. And he David always pulls through and comes out the other end praising God. Yeah. So um, Jesus modeled that. He, he was in such trauma in the Garden of Gethsemane mm. that he, he had the physical manifestation of sweating drops of blood. And, and that's a physical consequence of an internal um, mm. angst. So I think that, that praying for emotional healing and, and healing of thought is also important. It's even to be found in, in the word that we translate as repentance in the New Testament, metanoia, to change your mind. Uh, to, to repent or to experience metanoia is to start thinking about things, the world, ourselves, God, natural order, the way that God does. And that takes healing. Sometimes that takes a profound um, process of, of learning to forgive people who've committed profound, uh, deep wounds against mm. us. Um, part, of, part of our own healing and restoration is to find freedom in forgiveness. And the absence of forgiveness on our part can drive us to an early death because it's manifest in any number of, of physical ailments. Mm. So it's really important. Yeah. And I think also um, on those types of uh, topics where it's mental illness or perhaps you've been battling something that's like a long-term illness or maybe uh, it's something that the symptoms don't show up all the time, um, that when we're praying for people and with those kinds of presenting problems... Mm. That, that we are continually touching base with them later just to say, well, yeah. we, we might not see necessarily an immediate result now, but you might start to feel the effects of the healing later. Um, and particularly in the area of mental health, then it, it might just be that there's better, lots more better days and um, there is better sleep or, or, whatever, or whatever it looks like. And the other thing is, um, you know, if I can just touch on this, but in mental health, uh, there's a whole lot of stuff going on in the, in the brain itself. Mm. Um, so you can begin to actually speak to those 
specific things like that neurons are firing properly, serotonin levels are being mm. restored. And um, it comes back to that, that, that word exousia, that we have authority uh, to heal. Yeah. And that when we, I have found that the kind of, once I've understood that and I started praying, my prayers actually changed. The way I prayed for people changed. I yeah. started to be a lot more direct and I started to actually command things to go and leave and uh, come out and pain to go and um, things to be restored. And I must confess that I've seen a lot more people say that they've started to sense something changing a lot more often. Um, and, and I think that has also to do with maybe my own um, increased level of faith, perhaps. Yeah. Um, it's by no means uh, one size fits all all the time. But um, that, that we have that authority and that we can speak to those things and, and cure people who are sick. And it's incredible that we're now in a pandemic uh, environment because we, we have multiple opportunities to be praying for people for healing yeah. and to be standing with people who are sick and to be commanding this virus to go in the name of Jesus. And um, there have been some incredible stories uh, through the ages where there have been serious illnesses and Christians have seen God move in a powerful way. Uh, so so we need to be full of faith that God is going to do uh, exceedingly above what we could ever ask for or imagine when we're praying. Yeah. On, on that subject, and that's really well put, on that subject, um, anxiety and depression is as real as a broken leg. And I think the church has handled this badly in the past in many instances, not the whole church, and not all the time. But, but people who are, are struggling with anxiety and depression, and there's some giants of the faith who struggle with anxiety and depression. William uh, Wigglesworth is one of, one of them. David. Um, uh, David. <laughs> um, they're told, where's your faith? You know, just, just have joy or just be happy. It just, you know. and, and it's not as easy as that. Um, it's a struggle, it's a battle, it's a fight. And I remember John Piper preaching once on, on the purpose of right thinking is to achieve right feeling. That, that Satan knows many more things about God than we do necessarily, but his response is to hate God more. So our battle is to, to get to know God more, to know his ways more, to know his his precepts and his his kingdom more so that it achieves right feeling in us, greater love, greater freedom, greater joy, greater peace, greater kindness, greater compassion. You know, emotions are, are wonderful servants but terrible masters. Because we feel something doesn't mean it's true, but our emotions are every much a, a part of our journey of restoration to wholeness as our physical being, as our spiritual being. Mm. Um, emotions are, are um, Alexander Fenter says they're like children. You, mm. you've, you've got to train them. If you leave them to their own devices, they become monsters. Um, so, so have emotions, feel them, express them, talk about them. And, 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 Make them subject to the kingship of Jesus. Mm. Um, I, I think we have so far to go with that. Yeah. 
And, and I think that as Christians, we need to develop a profound kindness and compassion and gentleness and patience with people who are struggling through emotional trauma. Mm. Yeah, I think that's so, so important. I think it, it feels like we keep coming back to it because it is so central that we need to put on love and that we need to put on compassion because without that, then actually we, we are just putting notches in our belts, points on the board, mm. um, and making it about us, and it's not. Um, everything is to glorify God. And, and I just I wanted to say that when we see God move, in small measure, in great measure, it doesn't matter. We need to celebrate those things. Yeah. We need to praise Him. We yeah, need absolutely. to worship Him. We need yeah. to give Him the glory because the, He has moved by His mighty right hand. He has... He has done something outside of the realm of the possible. And so that that needs our celebration. And um, I have noticed that sometimes we're quite muted. It's almost like we've got used to, yeah. I don't know, seeing it or hearing about it or whatever it is. Um, but, but we need to celebrate. We need to have a heart of praise and a heart of joy and a heart that knows that actually God is good. And even if you haven't been healed today, God is still good, and yeah. He is still worthy of our worship, because He is about His great name and His glory, yeah. and um, He wants to see us healed, and if we partner with Him in that. So, I think it's just such a critical thing for us to be doing as believers, and to trust Him for the long game sometimes, and trust Him for that instant moment that He will come through in that moment. Yeah. And, and I think I think that's important. Gratitude is the jet fuel of the kingdom. Gratitude is when it's, it's what's going to get us from here to there. Um, so often in the scriptures, you'll see the, the encouragement, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks. Because if, if we simply focus on what our eyes can see and sometimes what our hearts feel, without gratitude, we'll, we'll be sucked dry. There's, there's no future in that. But if, if we look with eyes of gratitude, on, on things and, and posture our hearts towards gratitude, and sometimes it's hard. Um, we start seeing God break out in, in the most miraculous ways. Yeah. We, we've got guys on, on the eldership team, um, uh, the, the McMillans, Nick and, and Jan, and, and I just love hanging around with them, especially Jan, because she's just so grateful for everything. I still love you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, Nick, you're great, but not as great. Um, <laughs> no, you're, you're fantastic, Nick. Because, because gratitude fuels their worldview. Yeah. And, and amazing stuff happens all the time. Um, because, because gratitude is the jet fuel of the kingdom. It just is. Yeah. And, you know, there's a church called the King's Arms in the UK um, that I've had the joy of crossing paths with. And, um, yeah, they're cool, man. Yeah. And one of the things that they spoke about in their journey was, was first it was a journey, that they started trusting God for specific things. So they were trusting God for things like blind eyes to open, mm. deaf ears to open. And, and they had so many times prayed for people for that and not seen anything happen. And what they made the decision to do was that it didn't matter what it was, no matter how small, that they were going to celebrate it. And if, even if they failed, they were going to celebrate the fact that they stepped out in faith. Yeah. And so um, we, we got to hang out with some of these guys. And, and being in the room with them was quite something. They were just 
stand up and go wild for something so small that I was like, this is this is something else. These guys are crazy, and it was so but infectious. it was so profound and so yeah, yeah. so infectious. And and you know what began to happen in that community was they began to see just little increments of increase, and they celebrated every single one. And mm. they have had one or two really incredible healings take place, yeah. and several other things besides. And God has moved profoundly, and they are a beautiful community of faith. Um, and and that that really inspired me because it got me thinking. Sure, Lord, you know, we can become so focused on on the losses or the the defeats or the moments where we haven't seen the fullness, but they've grasped something of actually we we can celebrate just stepping out. We, yeah, <laughs> we can celebrate the fact that actually we trusted God to do something mighty, and it was just so such an incredible thing. So we need to press in for those things as as we. As we pursue healing and pursue God in that, um, and the other things we need to tell our stories, yeah. we we need to be telling people when God has healed us, and we need to credit Him <laughs> and that actually Jesus healed me, and and that creates an open door of opportunity as well for the gospel to go out, yeah. for people to hear about a God who still heals today, is so profound, and and who knows uh, what is going to be happening on the other side of that tiny little step of just telling your story. Cool. I don't think there are any more questions. If anything else yeah. you want to add? No, then we're going to wrap up. Um, we'll, we'll make this material available over the next yeah. while, especially the scriptures. And uh, yeah, go out and pray for people. Yeah. And guys, can we just encourage you as well just to get stuck into the scriptures? Um, mm. You know, there's so many wonderful things that you can get hold of now, uh, you know, resources, commentaries, um, and just spending some time reading through uh, a whole book of the Bible, um, yeah. getting doing a theme study, um, just getting stuck into some of these things and asking the Holy Spirit to show you and reveal to you um, these topics. And we've covered some big topics over these four weeks. And so our, our main goal for yeah. Equip GC is just that you would be inspired to get into the word yourself, to ask the questions. And, yeah. and we love questions, by the way. Anytime you want to come and ask yeah. us, we are, are keen to help and love answer. And, um, but ask the questions, engage. And if you're not sure and you don't know, ask someone who maybe knows a bit more than you. Um, but that, that's really our goal, just to see people equipped and encouraged to get stuck into the word and to grow in their faith. And it's been so awesome to be with you mm. with these four weeks. Thank you for, for being with us. And thank you for asking your questions and commenting. We have just so enjoyed every moment. So remember that we will be making these uh, recordings available and that you can sign up for those. Awesome, guys. Yeah, last parting thought. <laughs> Ephesians 4, God gives the fivefold gift, uh, gifts to the church. Um, so apostles, evangelists, pastors, workers, miracles, etc. To equip the saints mm. for the work of ministry. Yeah. Um, those gifts are not to perform the works of ministry. You are. Yeah. And the whole reason that we do these equipped series is to encourage, inspire, and let you know that you can do it. So my encouragement to you is to pray some dangerous prayers. <laughs> pray dangerous prayers. Ask God 
show me who you want me to pray for. Ask God to to set up encounters where you will um, share the kingdom with people. And then step out of the boat, risk making a fool of yourself, and pray for people. I, um, I pray for strangers all the time. Probably need to do that more. But... But, but if I see somebody and, and God prompts me, I, I pray. And very few people, it does happen, but very few people mm. will say, no, I don't want to pray. Yeah. So, and just the act of praying, whether anything happens or not, is, is to some extent not relevant. Just the act of prayer is demonstrating the love of God to somebody. Awesome. So give it a whirl. Awesome, guys. Thanks for being with us. Have a super week. Cheers, guys. <laughs>